Now I want you to put the Rigo uh, in the arch. Under the arch there. If everything you're doing is bad, I want you to know this. You be careful there, all right? No one listens to me. One of the most underrated performances of 1989, Oscar-worthy. Drew, I got a serious question for you. Peter McNichol? If I bring the baby, <laughs> can I have the woman? Yes, you can. I got to tell you real quick. I didn't know the guy wasn't foreign until really? like five years ago. Ali McBeal, Peter McNichol? I had no idea. I, well, thought, it, I thought it was a really strange accent. Well, we'll get, we'll get into him in a little while. But uh, welcome back to the Last Row podcast. Um, this is our New Year's special my name is Drew, and I'm here with my friend, Badway. What's up? We also have today a very special friend and guest. Hello. Hi, boys. <laughs> For those that don't recognize this voice. It's Vigo. This oh, wait, is, no, it's not Vigo. This is the tie from the Solid Verbal Podcast. Thank you for being with us. Welcome, uh, thank you, Thank you for having me. I shouldn't have said hi, boys, because that was a little bit weird for me, too. But, um, what's the movie again today? Ghostbusters 2. Oh, Okay, Not that's why. why I'm here. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering wh why you guys invited me. As you know, Ghostbusters has played a prominent role in my life. Pretty much every day, there is uh, something that reminds me of Ghostbusters. So thank you for inviting me. I promote this show <laughs> every chance I get because I think you guys are doing a killer job. And we I'm appreciate just, it. And I'm just happy to that. be here. I'm happy to be here. We thank you very much for that. You're like a celebrity to us. A celebrity? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we look up to you. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank we, you. We do look up to you. I have a, a statue over here with the rest it's of my Ghostbusters toys. A fat head <laughs> in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting right next to the Shrine of Vigo. With his podcasting headphones on. Yeah, let's do so. this. I'm fired up. <laughs> So uh, we had to bring you on just because you are a resident Ghostbusters fanatic as as we are ourselves. So I am, yes. So um, thank you for for all new listeners listening to us, possibly on behalf of Ty, and uh, for all the people that are sticking with us. Uh, thanks for continuing to enjoy the ride. We are the last row, where we talk about um, movies that were not very critically acclaimed, and also unnecessary sequels, possibly bad movies that we find the silver linings. Yeah, uh, we we discussed what worked, what didn't work, and all that other good stuff. Getting a lot of great feedback so far. We've got a ton of reviews on iTunes, so thank you to everybody that's done that. We really appreciate it. If you haven't had the chance and you do enjoy the show, please go out, give us a five star. We really appreciate it. Um, if you're looking for us, you can find us at thelastrowpodcast dot com. You can follow us on Twitter at the Last Row Pod. Find us on Facebook, facebook dot com slash thelastrowpod. We're on Google Plus. And if you haven't had the chance to, you can leave us a voicemail, 415-779-5278, 415-779-LAST. So speaking of that, we had somebody write in uh, based on our last episode. It was Home Alone 2. And uh, our friend Paul writes in and, and says uh, he wants to know whether Kevin McAllister is now employed as the head channel changer at the NFL Red Zone channel. I think it's the likely scenario. As we as we know the last podcast, he was the expert channel changer. Anyone and with the DVR or VCR skills yeah. of that man should be, you know, make sure that they're using them in their day to day yeah. life. That's the that's the big leagues. So, <laughs> so we want to thank Ty for being with us. Um, we're big Ghostbuster nerds. We're not going to hide that fact. I mean, we've talked about it every single episode. I think so far we probably we, threw a mention of Vigo or something in th there. Every there's a poster of Vigo yeah. sitting right yeah. behind Badway right now. Um, there's Ghostbuster pop figures on the shelf over here. We've got tons of stuff here. Ty's word is Ghostbusters are to wear for the occasion. <laughs> yep, yep. Ecto one. Yep. Yeah, I did actually get Ty a Christmas present related to. Walter Peck, the figurine. <laughs> Complete with the uh, containment facility. I had no mm -hmm. idea they even made such things, but uh, <laughs> Walter Peck is now going to be a uh, 
a fixture in my apartment and one day my my future house. <laughs> I'm glad that the solid fiance is okay with that. Solid fiance is uh, more than okay with that. I have not given her the choice. <laughs> <laughs> So she's going to have to be okay with Walter Peck invading our space. Well, just make sure uh, your future kids don't open that thing because that's, that's sealed mid condition. Well, it, right it's there. like a starting lineup yeah. that way. Yeah. You know, you don't open the Joe Montana no. starting lineup because that could be worth something. <laughs> right. You got to so save it. Yeah. Walter yeah. Peck, he's going to be, he's going to be protected. Don't worry. <laughs> Once but, you take it from the package, it loses its value. That's, that's, that's if we learn nothing else. <laughs> So, uh, once again, Ghostbusters 2, not Ghostbusters 1, because Ghostbusters 1 is just... Everybody loves Ghostbusters 1. Uh, 51% of Rotten Tomatoes critics, they're kind of... Too high or too low? 51%? 51%. See, look, we're biased. I know. We're biased because yeah. we're huge Ghostbuster nerds, but I gotta believe, if you look at some modern movies getting 51%, that Ghostbusters 2 is got... It, it just has to be better... Than some of those. And I think as sequels go, certainly as modern sequels go, this was, what, 1989? 89. As modern sequels go, this is a much, much better sequel than some of the other crap that we've been forced that. to watch over the last 10 years. Sure. I definitely agree with you. What do you think? Too high or too low? I think it, I, I, it may make sense from a critical standpoint. Now, critics are dicks for the most part, <laughs> right. obviously. But we've gotten into this with kids' movies. Now, this movie is a little bit more pointed towards kids than the first one, even though they're both rated PG. There's a lot more family-friendly type of an atmosphere going on here. So critics tend to bash kids' movies a little more than, than more serious or more adult comedy type stuff. So I can see 51%. I don't agree with it, but I can understand it from a critic's point of view. IMDb 6.5, that's somewhat respectable for IMDb. Well, you find that a lot with these poorly reviewed, but users love them. That's kind of the movies we, we kind of skew towards. They're called classics. Yeah, so yeah. Speak, classic, right? yeah. The classic. Do you have yeah. a synopsis of this? Yeah, let's run by it real quick. Now, this is the uh, quick synopsis of what's going on here. After saving New York City from a ghost attack, the Ghostbusters, a team of spirit exterminators... I think it's a lady. Great title. Spirit like Exterminators. Exterminators. I like oh, no. it. Yeah. Is disbanded for demolishing parts of the city during the battle. But when Ghostbuster Peter Vakeman learns the spirits have taken an interest in Dana's son, the men launch a rogue ghost chasing mission. <laughs> the quest quickly goes awry, landing them in court. But when the ghosts turn on the judge, he issues an order allowing the Ghostbusters to get back to work. I like that they use that as the pivotal moment because yeah. it kind of was. Yeah, well, then they they were you know the, the restraining order was dropped and they're allowed to bust some ghosts together, they're allowed to bust some heads. What the blue thing that he got from her? Yeah, the, yeah, the blue thing I got <laughs> can, from her. Can I make a comment here? Yeah, yeah. jump we, in. Am I allowed to curse on this show? Uh, we try to avoid some of the. I don't know what the the rules are. Right, you can uh, say. Listen, some words. you're our guest. You say whatever the hell. We you try want. not to drop any f bombs, but that's a bullshit synopsis. <laughs> you're allowed to say that. <laughs> that's a bullshit synopsis because you know what that does. You know what that review or, or recap does. Yeah. Right, you're right to say that. Oh, it it highlights a pivotal moment. It doesn't highlight the pivotal moment. They save the world. They save New York City again from an evil spirit. They save it from freaking Vigo, awful Vigo. Yeah. By the way, Ghostbusters two way more creepier than Ghostbusters yeah. one because of that stupid painting. painting. Right, right. You can't even. I'm like 33 <laughs> years old at this point. I can't watch that movie in a dark room without thinking. Uh, is there any other painting in here that might come and try and take me? <laughs> what else is possessed? You know, like it's all about the river slime. The that slime is, a, is below you. It could be any painting. That is a creepy movie. So to be someone writing that synopsis and not highlight the fact that they saved the world from that guy from a painting. That's that is doing the movie a 
just a horrible disservice. Well, maybe Bobby Brown had it right in his lyric. <laughs> right. What about Vigo, the master of evil? That's yeah. What about Vigo? I think I think we're right. on the same wavelength right. here, bad way. Well, I, I think what what I'd like to do talking about this is let's look at the second one and kind of compare it to the first one. I know, Bad Way, you put together yes. a great list of of similarities, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to highlight quickly the um, the differences between Ghostbusters 1 and 2 from a kid-friendly point of view, first of all, before we get to similarities. So, I compiled a short list. In Ghostbusters 1, there is... Now, this is the both-rated PG. In the first one, there is Supernatural Fellatio. <laughs> mm, yeah. Man-on-ghost action by, by Ray. Yeah, but the poltergeist, yeah. right? Yeah. People are smoking everywhere in this movie. Wait, hold on. Do you want to know about the story about the Supernatural Fellatio? What's that? So, when I was a kid, I loved this movie. Yeah. But my dad taped it off of television for me, yeah. which they always cut that part out. So I was at my uncle's house the one time, and we were going through it, and we were like, oh, let's watch Ghostbusters. And that scene came on, and it was VHS days. So I was like, what? Yes. Is this like a, a director's cut? I never knew that was in there. I had the exact same thing. My, my copy was taped off of ABC. Well, you I know all the commercials. I even remember the commercials. Yeah. You're right. And that scene was not in there. So it was edited for TV. A lot later, I found out that he got the ghost fellatio. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off That's there. fine. Everyone's smoking in the first one, which is like a big no-no now, uh, especially for a PG movie. Uh, Vakeman is a creep, a huge yeah. stalker of Data. <laughs> you don't get any... I mean, he's still he's still macking all Data in the second one, yeah. but it's not nearly as... It's not restraining order. Yeah, yeah. It's not as nearly as creepy. Um, there's a lot more cursing in, in the first one. Yeah. Sexual innuendo. A lot of that is going on, most of it by Vakeman. Now, um, but now let's take this with the ghost list of Ghostbusters 2, for example. There's, there's none of that stuff in the second one yeah. that I mentioned. But I went on the ghost list of the Ghostbusters Wikia, which is amazing. They do a great job over there. We've got a lot of experience with Wikias. Yeah, as rivaled by the 24 From the 24 Wikia. days. <laughs> so these are the type of ghosts that are in the second one. Now, the first one, the ghost list was all like standard ghosts, like ghost driving taxi or ghost walking down the street. We have a Titanic. We have an animated toaster. <laughs> We have a big coat, ghost train, <laughs> tub. And the guy running in Central Park. The ghosts, yeah, the ghosts are, are more kid-friendly, I feel, in the second one, which lends to the fact that it's trying to appeal to an even younger audience, really hammer home that PG rating. Well, one of the things that we talked about, too, is that this came out after the cartoon had aired, and the cartoon did a good job of... I mean, kids love the first one, too, let's yeah. be serious. But the second one was playing off of that fact hardcore, yeah. like you said. Now... I want to ask this question to you guys now. I think there might be an obvious answer, but I could be surprised here. Do you prefer the first one to the second one? Is, uh, it, is it no doubt about it? Yeah, it's it's yeah. a slam dunk for yeah. me, the first over the second. Because the first, the first was creative. Yeah. Right? That one came out, when was that, 83? 84. 84. Somewhere in that range. So it, it was about five years or so before number two. It was creative at the time. Of course, none of us were old enough at that point to really bask in the critical acclaim of a creative movie but yeah. as current movies go ghostbusters one was actually pretty creative for its day and it would be now if it were still coming out i i think i prefer it just because it's got more on the comedy side than ghostbusters 2 com uh, ghostbusters 2 is funny and has comedic value and it's not that far removed from ghostbusters one but i just think the stay puff marshmallow man i think things like Gozer, yeah. Those scenes to me are a lot stronger than anything we saw yeah. in Ghostbusters Two. Keymaster, but it, Gatekeeper. But it, it is closer 
to its credit, it is closer to Ghostbusters 1 than a lot of sequels are to their original true. movies. So yeah. Does Drew, you feel, feel the same way? I, I feel like one's a better movie. That's that's just that's not up for debate. One's a better movie, but two's fun. And and anyone that is a Ghostbusters fan would say that two's fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah. I know there's people that like hate this movie with a passion. Yeah. But for me, I can watch this every time it's on TV. It's funny because every movie we've done so far, it's like, hey, if it's on television, I'm going to stop and watch it. Yeah. And I do it with this too. I'll watch it every single time it's on TV. I enjoy every moment of it. It's not as good of a movie, but I enjoy it. Yeah, it's the type of movie where I, I feel like it's better in seeds, whereas the first yeah. one, I enjoy it more if I watch the whole. All right, so let me do the move that you guys do on all your podcasts. Again, it's uh, thelastrowpodcast.com. <laughs> Thank you. For those playing the home game. <laughs> What worked for you guys? Because obviously we're biased. We're all sitting in the room. We're all pretty giddy about doing this podcast. What was it specifically that worked for you guys in this movie that makes you look at it and say, eh, wasn't all that worse than Ghostbusters 1 was actually pretty close? Well, I know what I know what Drew would say, and I'm going to steal your thunder right now. And it, <laughs> it, was at the top, do. it was at the top of the show with the, with the sound clip. Yeah. It's Janos. I feel like Janos awesome. totally worked in this movie. Do, do we ever figure out what his nationality no, is? No, because when so they ask like, him, when they ask him, he says the Upper West Side. Well, yeah. yeah, it's ambiguous on purpose. He's from the Upper West yeah. Side, and like like I said, true story. I I had no idea he was uh, he had a regular American accent wherever the hell he's from. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was that. I thought he was a foreign dude. He's until, like an Eastern European yeah, actor. I, right, like Romanian yeah. or I had something. no idea. I don't. I didn't know. I never watched Ali McBeal. I, I never put it together that that was him. He he was a, a bad guy in twenty four. Yes, he was. At some point, he played what like a, one of the president's he men. Was like the aide. That's that's what I found out when I saw Peter him in twenty four. That's what. Oh, that's the Ghostbusters. Wait a minute. That's, <laughs> he doesn't have this accent. That's how. That's what I found out. I, I just feel like he's one of the most quotable characters of any movie I've ever watched. Yeah. Every single thing he says is hilarious. Like I love the part where he's uh, he's walking into the. It's the first time they didn't really introduce him, and he's walking into the museum and he's watching the people like paint stuff and he's like yeah. everything you're doing is wrong or bad or whatever he says yeah. and it's just it's just so funny to me he worked for me the other thing that i love more so in this movie than other movies is i love lewis tully he's he's like extra lewis tully in this and i love him in the courtroom scene it's my favorite part of the movie when he's like trying to coach the witness and it's peter Venkman, and he just totally gives up on the fact that you know he's even winning the case he's like you know we've helped him enough that he's yeah. great to me. I love him. And um, along with what you said earlier, Ty, I just like that it's in this case it is more of the same. They took what worked from the first one, and uh, along with a lot of the jokes, a lot of the jokes that you kind of like, you may not get the first time you watch, or you it'll completely go over your head as a kid. You watch it, you watch it later on, and you're like, oh, okay. The more like the the same but different. If you if you catch my drift, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I think along that lines, there's things that didn't work in this movie for me, too. And I, I mean, I've got a few things. Um, the first one that, that I put is Vigo as a believable villain. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm all about Vigo. What do, what do you think about Vigo? Give me your honest oh, assessment. God. He has great 80s wispy hair, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see that picture of the actor? Like, it was a behind-the-scenes picture of him, like, sweeping He's he's in the Vigo costume and he's like sweeping the ground. What 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 year again was this? Nineteen eighty nine. What year was Vigo supposedly um, an active participant in? Like 
some early like the, what, the world yeah 1805 yeah no i wasn't it earlier than that i thought it was, it was like 15 i thought it was the 17th century he I was a carpathian yeah. so whatever yeah whatever era that is but um yeah i mean look he was believable what wasn't believable for me though was the fact that he was more vulnerable inside the painting than out of it he needed the child right because like i had watched this movie for an hour Waiting for Vigo to emerge from the painting. And, like, wreck shit. Right, because when he comes out, then he's one with Earth. And, (laughs) you know, when he's one with Earth, then, yeah, he he might potentially wreck shit. Yeah. But he got out of the painting, and he was a wimp. Yeah. Somehow, inside the painting, he had more power than when he was actually an apparition outside it. That, to me, me, he was a believable villain, obviously, because he creeps the hell out of me. But it was unbelievable that he would be more powerful inside the painting than out. How the hell did he get out of the painting? Was it the proton pack shooting the painting that like charged it? Cause he couldn't get out with a baby without the baby. Right. See, that's, that's where the movie kind of loses it a little bit yeah. at the end there. We're, I, I wasn't sure. I mean, we were just watching this not too long ago Yeah, and we still had questions like, wait, how, what makes him come out or get thrown back in the painting? How does that even work? Like it was very, I feel like they, they really sped through the ending very quickly. Let, let me pose a hypothetical question. We love hypotheticals. Were the Ghostbusters even required to beat Vigo? Probably not. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. How are they going to get in the building? That's true. How do they get in the museum? You got to use Statue, Statue of Liberty, Liberty, smash the building. Like the NYPD's not getting up there. That's true. The fire department's not getting up there. Well, they were too inundated with calls in the call center yeah. of, of all the ghosts running around. But wasn't it ultimately the revelers outside singing the they New sang. Year's the yeah. New Year's songs? Wasn't it that emotion? Yeah. That weakened the shell. Yes. But enough to, you know, thrust Vigo back into the painting. <laughs> right. But I would say by the, the time positive. the Ghostbusters smashed through the top, which by the way, the top, if you watched it, was melt the melted. I did see that. It was melted by did the, see the positive energy of yeah. the fire of and the then torch. the smash smashed through. But by the time the Ghostbusters slipped down there, that baby Oscar was, I want to say, 80% evil at that point. Like he was like, it was loading. It was it was like a computer. It's loading, loading, loading. It was about eighty percent. Now, if the 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 singing, it would have taken until after New Year's. I feel after, <laughs> after the ball drops, all the positive energy. By that time, the baby's foregone, and we got a new Vigo on our hands here. So did did they screw up for lack of a better term? Did did Vigo screw up by trusting Janos because Janos said, "Oh, I want this baby," and he picked another baby, like some random kid off the street. Yeah. Not that the slime the slime kind of chose the baby, right? Because it went to the the baby carriage. But had he picked another one that wasn't emotionally well, attached to, to, to Peter, who wanted to save his would-be girlfriend's kid? Well, here's—he had no choice, I feel, because this is my theory is that Vigo was kind of limited in his, in his options because he's, yeah. in a, he's in a painting. <laughs> so he can't, like, get up and walk around and, and look for babies, right? He's got to take what's in front of him. So he's in this art gallery— he yeah. has this weakling Yadosh who he knows he can possess. Yeah. And he also knows that employed in this building is Yadosh's love interest, Dana, who wants nothing to do with Yadosh, but he knows Dana has a baby. Yeah. Now, he doesn't know the Ghostbusters exist, let alone know that Vigo, that Dana knows the Ghostbuster and has yeah. a previous relationship with the Ghostbuster. All he knows is she has a baby. So, he didn't think there was any danger in it at the time. I. He screwed up. He but can't did, walk down the street. Did Janos need a baby, or did uh, did Vigo need a baby at all? Why couldn't he just possess Janos? 
Janos was so weak. But he needed to come back into the world, and it needed to be a child because needed, of the innocence or something, needed right? needed to be like a fresh mind, I feel. I mean, yeah. Janos is, I think... I think he checks all those boxes. Like, <laughs> do you ever watch? Do you ever watch Child's Play? You know, yeah. Chucky dolls. Like you got to yeah. do it to a kid. Like you can't, you can't possess, you know, an adult because then the li- the life is gonna, he's gonna live in that body. He wants to live for another hundred years. Who wins in a fist fight between Janos and Lewis Tully? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know if fists are gonna fly. I feel like it'll be more slaps than fists. <laughs> That's gonna be a slap yeah. fight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm putting my money on Janos. He's an artist. He's got that like hidden anger. Might have some like Eastern European yeah. influence in him. Yeah. He knows like uh some type of military something that he picked up yeah. back in the day. Now speaking of winning in fights though, what do you think about the comparison of the villain Vigo to Gozer? Because now Ooh. Gozer was not very powerful either for what was built up. So what do you guys think about Vigo versus Gozer? Gozer could make the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vigo, Vigo's not making the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Vigo made Yadosh. You guess. know, what, what so. was the line in Ghostbusters 1? Choose the form of the yeah, destructor. destructor. Yeah. Vigo, Vigo ain't pulling any of those right. acts. So from that standpoint, I think it's Gozer. Also, I think the gender ambiguity that Gozer brought into the plot. Yeah. Not something that, like, I prefer that to Vigo's wispy hair. Do you think, like, you can go to the barber and be like, give me the Gozer? Like that flat top, that flat top. Like, like, you know what was in her hair? Moose. You, they don't even make that anymore. Like, you need to go, you go to the barber shop, you're like, yeah, I'll take the Gozer. Yeah, give me the Gozer, that high and tight. was a hot style. That was like a half bottle yeah. of L.A. looks at yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. L.A. looks. Wow. The stuff that, like, you, you touch it and it starts immediately flaking. Right. You don't get it wet because then your hair falls down. <laughs> yeah. That was L.A. looks all the way in 1984. Right. <laughs> now, um... Talking about the the fight between Gozer and Vigo, there's a couple of the similarities between one and two that I wanted to get out there. First one is like this is uh, goes on the negative and the positive to to Ghost to Ghostbusters two. First one being Statue of Liberty versus the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That there had to be another giant in this movie because there was a giant in the first one. Did you guys feel the Statue of Liberty was a little bit forced? It was for the kids. It was for the kids. It's like it's an icon. I mean, they even say it. They're like, oh, we need something pure. We need something. Like, to get the people happy, right? I don't know. I didn't like it. I like the Marshmallow Man better. So we're we're picking between the two which one we like better. I mean, it was it, it was totally a, a move from Ghostbusters 1 to bring the, the Statue of Liberty into it. Like, if they yeah. could have used the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man in Ghostbusters 2, like, kind of corralled him and taken him into a corner and convinced him to come to the to yeah. the light side see yeah they they would have done that that's essentially what the statue of liberty was here and you brought up a good point we, we probably should have recorded it like two hours ago what's that there's a lot of symmetry between that plot and this plot probably the reason why right. we like it as much well, as we do i'm gonna get into that yeah, here yeah. in a second Down. here now i like your theory about having the ghost the the state buff marshall man for good because we see slimer come back yeah. in a good form he drives he drives Tully to the um, to the museum so it would have been nice I guess maybe they couldn't control him I guess they had to jump in the Statue of Liberty I guess they wanted to be a little different but it would have been nice to to get into that building with State Puff Marshall that would have been something that I certainly would have enjoyed another item um, they were locked up in a jail in the first one they locked up to an asylum that's another that, that's another total similarity Total ripoff move. Right. Um, they also had a bureaucratic dick in this movie. Walter <laughs> Peck in one, the mayor's assistant in the other. It's the same character. I think Peck is a stronger character than Bigger Dick, right? Fuller, right? Because yeah. he he was throwing the weight of the EPA like around 
saying, hey, I'm going to shut you guys down. He had the, the Con Edison guy come in and turn the power off. I, I believe it would be correct, though, to say that Walter Peck was a bigger jerk instead of a bigger dick because everyone in this room knows that Walter He's Peck dickless. had no dick. Yeah, yeah that's right. So let's He's be clear here dickless. for the people dickless listening at here. home. <laughs> we aren't some amateurs. Walter Peck had yeah. no dick. So it's poor choice of words. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, we also have... Um, the Slimer fight in the beginning versus the Scolari brothers fight. It was, that was a very similar in action there a little bit. Again, total copy move. And that's again, leads me to the negative reviews. What did that you like? Critic better, may, may show. Did you like, I like the Scolari brothers fight better than the Slimer fight. I like the idea of the Scolari brothers, but the yeah. Slimer fight was better because they, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. There. I want to know were, more. They were going off the cuff. I want to know more about the Scolari brothers. Like I know he gave him the chair and tried him for murder, yeah. but I, I want to know more about him. They looked old. Like, how old is this judge? They look like they were from 1520 or something, yeah, you know? They, yeah, I thought they were from the 40s or something. Like, yeah, they they almost looked like they were from Al Capone era or something. Could have been his first trial. I don't know. I don't know. Wexler. He's, he's a jerk. But I like that scene better to me because it just had a lot more anger in it. And, and it was the whole positive energy versus negative yeah. energy, that whole theme, right? But I just I like that scene so much better because it it had all the the comedy aspects of it and then them like oh we got to put the packs back on we haven't used these in how long but you're talking about the trial as a whole yeah okay but but I also the fight too because I I just like the Scully Brothers because it kind of got them it got them into the into the mode again yeah you know yeah. like Slimer was cool because it was kind of their first job but I thought Scully Brothers was better personally okay and um we already talked about Gozer and Vigo and also um. The beginning of the move, we and we see Peter Venkman in the first one, kind of doing like the ESP test. Yeah, and it's a similar, almost taken straight from it. In the second week, we have Egon with his um, his uh, human emotion testing. Oh god, it's the same idea, the same exact idea. The, the funniest part of, I mean, so it's marriage counseling. Yeah, and these people already look like they're gonna kill each other, and he's slowly turning up the temperature. Well, that the, the the thing is, they they think they're going to marriage counseling. Yeah. They're in the waiting room, and he's making them wait forever That's and the turning up the temperature. I mean, this is a genius idea. Yeah. But they're getting; they look like they're going to murder each other. <laughs> so I I thought that was funny too. I don't know. It's just the little things to me that were really fun. Yeah. But it's not as better. It's not a better movie. I still think one's a better movie. Two just has, like you said, better scenes. You know, there's better moments. Like if you turned it on, yeah. every single time you would turn it on, there's something funny. Yeah. But like Ghostbusters 1, it's the kind of movie you want to pop the DVD in. Yeah, it's a more complete I, movie. I don't pop DVDs in anymore, but I would for that one. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on the similarities? Yeah, I mean, there are so, a, a ton of similarities, and yeah. you could kind of go over those till you're, you're blue in the face. But I'm interested in that scene where Egon's running his social experiment. And I'm interested in it because there's a scene there, a little spot, where Dana Barrett shows up. She feels that something is is amiss. She wants Egon and and maybe Ray to check into it. Egon says he'll bring Ray in on it if she's cool with it. <laughs> but there's that little scene where Egon gets a peck on the cheek from Dana. Yeah. And I kind of come back to that time and time again in watching this movie because all of us here were were too young to really appreciate Sigourney Weaver as this 1980 sex symbol. Right. Yeah. But it's very apparent in this movie that they're selling her as such. Yeah. He gets a peck and he's over the moon. Ooh. We saw Louis Tully in Ghostbusters 1, who was just infatuated with Dana Barrett. Peter Venkman obviously has a thing for her. Hell, the ghosts even have a thing yeah, for her yes. at this point. No one can keep their hands off Sigourney Weaver. 
And so just that little shred of, oh, maybe she's into me, that look on his face <laughs> to me was very defining for Sigourney Weaver in this role. Oh, Dana Barrett still got it where it counts, and all the guys are still into her. So I, I trust that you don't share this sentiment. Well, I look, um, uh, it's a different day and age. Yeah. I Women mean, aren't wearing their hair the same way Sigourney right, right. Weaver wore her hair in that movie. They're not wearing the same sorts of things. It's tough to compare eras when you're talking about, like, 80 starlets. The same way it is to try and compare, like, the 1927 Yankees to the 1961 <laughs> right. Yankees. It's a you different can't game. You can't compare game. eras because so much has changed. But yeah. um, it, it's it's iconic to me the way they treat Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters 2 in that it's very similar to how they treated her in Ghostbusters 1. Right. Now, can I tell you, I'll, I'll share a quick quick story here. Ghostbusters 2 was the first movie I saw in the theaters. Yeah, well, I can go a step further. I watched that. We're all from the same area. I yeah. watched that in downtown Allentown at the Eric Theater. If you remember yeah. the Eric Theater, which for folks who aren't from the area, the Eric is directly across the street from a county jail. Yeah. <laughs> and when I went to see this at the time in 1989, I'm eight years old. I'm with my mother. There were there were two other people in the theater. The immediate thought is there. Is there a jailbreak? <laughs> like why why aren't there more people in the theater watching this thing right now? But um, it was one of my first to see in the theaters yep. as well. So it's it's iconic on that did level you as see, well. So did you see the first one? I, mean, I'm, I guess you saw this before the first one. Then, yeah. Right? yeah, in theaters anyway. And you sure. did too. This is, yeah, this, I, I saw the second one first. Yeah. And then the first one. Yeah. I didn't see this in the theaters. Yeah. I saw the first one first, and then I saw this one. Yeah. But I had seen the cartoon from you know a long time before I'd even seen this as well. I'm not saying I was like... 15 when I watched this, but I was significantly older than when I had seen it in the first one. Yeah. But, but it was always like a thing. To me, they were all together. There was the cartoon, this, the first movie. They yeah. kind of blended together as a kid. Sure. But even as a kid, I I saw the second one first, and then I, the first time I saw the first one, I immediately liked that better than the second one, even though it's more kid-friendly. So let me ask another question while you're talking about things that didn't work for you. Something that didn't work for me, and I, I'm wondering if you guys felt the same. What happened after Ghostbusters 1? I was just going to ask you that. Yep. That sent the Ghostbusters, as we know them, into like this giant state of disrepair. Because where we last left our heroes, they were saving New York City from Gozer the Gozerian and a hundred foot tall marshmallow man. Now we pick up in Ghostbusters 2. Ray's running a bookstore <laughs> that can't be getting much action. Pete Vankman's doing some psychic show on public access design. television right egon is the bassmasters he, he's yeah he's doing puppy tests with kids and we don't even know what winston's up to what happens do you find that believable that the city and the mayor would turn its back on the ghostbusters the way they did so playing off of the negative emotions of new york city i could see that the people were pissed off that the city was trashed yeah and they wind up going to court and I had we writ, we wrote down right before the show, after they cleaned up the marshmallow mess in the city, sued him. Like, who was their lawyer? Was it Lewis? It was Lewis Tully. What was the court scene like? <laughs> like, how did they get convicted of this crime? And you know, they they so they were on probation. They weren't allowed to practice ghost busting. I'm anymore. sure they were sued. Lost all their money. But then, how does Pete Vankman afford that swanky apartment? in Manhattan? That's he, a sweet apartment. He stashed his money under his mattress. I'm telling you. So they could. They could collect it because I wonder how up on the books they were. 
when they were out of that business well, in 84. And you said this to me, bad way. So was this a state court? Was it a federal court? Like, yeah. couldn't they just go to North Jersey and start ghost busting? Yeah. Or ghosts only in Manhattan? Go to Chicago, California, London. And they- why does every end of the world plot seem to center around New York or L.A.? Well, you know, it's... Well, it's big city, L.A., you know, it's... it's, it's like, I want to know the, the end... I want to know the end game for the villains. If you take down New York City, is that then... Your cue to go after Philly. <laughs> Your cue to go the after Boston. Area. The tri-state area, right? Where? What is the strategy beyond I, New York City? I got that. So if it's New York, that's like, it's it's the mecca. You take down New York, then you have access to Philly, D.C., and then you're on your way. The, the the East Coast. But if you go the opposite way, if you attack L.A., they're a little bit more lax back there. Yeah, they're probably they're easier care. to take down. If you notice uh, Independence Day, did they go for they went for yeah. L.A. because it was easier to take down. Once you take down L.A., then you could move east. It's a lot easier to do. Something else that I found really jarring in this movie was the transforma- transformation, excuse me, of Janine. Oh, absolutely. Now we talked about this before we hit record as well. There was a whole cartoon element that factored the into the hair, the glasses, right? Janine as the character she became in Ghostbusters too. But she was kind of like sneaky hot. Yeah, any pots. In in Ghostbusters 2, compared to Ghostbusters 1, where she was almost an afterthought, she played much more of a prominent role. And good on Louis Tully. Yeah. Good on Louis Tully. I mean— He fell right into it. He he fell into it. He was right place, right time. Janine was feeling motherly at the time. wanted a baby. Wanted a baby Mm. that night. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm telling you, guys, if you're at home listening to this, stay away from the girls like that. That's all kinds of crazy— but, you know, that was... Did you really buy that transformation for Janine? Well, I, I say... We were talking about this before. I say Janine just wanted a baby. It wasn't about that night. She's been thinking about it. She thinks Tully's a smart guy, easy to get, feed me, give me a baby, and then I don't even want you to be part of part of the family. Like, I'm wondering if she's even thinking to that level, though. Do you think it's, it's I, you think it's spontaneous? It's a heat of the moment thing. I, I'm thinking she looks across, sees a man, yeah, any man who isn't like quadriplegic, yeah. <laughs> and she's into it because in that moment she wants the kiddo. But see, she's got to find the right balance because she tried to get with Egon in the first movie, right? And he wasn't having it. He's too into mold, spores, and fungus, right? I mean, he, she's into the intellectuals now. We assume Tully's a smart guy, but is he? I mean, he's he went he's, to night school. He said he's book smart, but he's kind of a doofus. Yeah. Egon's just like proper smart. Yeah, he's legitimately smart. Lewis Tully is smart with money, though. Right. And that's something yeah. I think a lot of people in society appreciate. You'll remember from Ghostbusters 1, he threw the party and invited clients, not friends, so he could write <laughs> it's it a off. tax write yeah. off. You know? So, I mean, I don't, maybe he's. Do you think he's still living in his old apartment in 55 West? Uh, the Evo Shandor building? Yeah, the Evo Shandor <laughs> building, 2202. I feel like he probably moved into the firehouse because it's more economical. Yeah. He's their attorney now, so he's got to live there. He's renting them. a room, and hey, like if any time he could sneak some, some testing yeah. on the proton packs while the Ghostbusters are asleep, you know, get that practice going. Because he dreams of being a Ghostbuster. Yeah. He, he dreams of being a Ghostbuster, and he gets that chance, yeah. which was awesome at the end. That yeah. was one, one of my favorite scenes, scenes right, yeah. where yeah. he's shooting at it, and he's like, five seconds later, the... The pig shell lifts and it's everyone's <laughs> rallying around him. That that really worked for me. That was funny. And, and on that same note, what really worked for me in this movie, despite all the things that maybe didn't, that boost of confidence that Lewis totally got after he got with Janine. Yeah, a little oh, spring yeah. in his step. Yep. Yeah, Good I mean, all of, a, all of a sudden he's a Ghostbuster. He's yep. zipping up the suit. 
he, he's getting in the bus with a ghost, which is not something he would have done before. Well, he had this influx of confidence. <laughs> yeah. He, he's deciding that he's going to shoot the proton yeah. pack. Like, what's he know about a proton he pack? Button. He could blow his face off. This guy was riding high. Ghostbusters 3, he would have been like a Mac Daddy in Ghostbusters 3. <laughs> yeah. If they had done another one like five years later, <laughs> just that, leader. Sur- that surge of confidence. He would have been group leader. Yeah. Yeah, he'd been the next Bankman. It would have been it would have been funny to see him like written as a character fighting off all the babes. Oh like, yeah, fighting him off with a the stick. Man. Yeah, the third. He's one. living in some modern house with an infinity yeah. pool. Yeah. I want to ask you, what's a better side job? Okay, so we got these guys doing all these random jobs. Okay, raise a cult <laughs> or the kids' parties. See, now what you, do you thinks like. Yeah. What do you think they like more? You said, where's Winston? That's where Winston is. That's right. Is. I forgot about yeah. it. That, parties, that's how forgettable parties. that was well, to thing, me. Ray's got his book deal. Is, yeah. is a Ray's a cult. Winston's got nothing except latching on to, to Ray's Ghostbuster parties. But maybe it's Winston's parties and Ray's like, yeah, I'll help you out. Yeah. I'll help you out. I mean, Winston's probably probably a laborer. What do you guys think Winston does? Like, before before he signed up he to be like a Ghostbuster, did they say what he was? He looks like a mechanic. I don't know. I don't he looks like a hardworking guy, like a blue-collar guy. Maybe he's a, maybe he's a, maybe he's a, he's a construction worker, a yeah. contractor. He'll build your house so for you. There's a steady paycheck. He'll do anything. Yeah. He, he was pretty tough, and he, he was definitely a type A personality. He wasn't going to let anyone push him around. Yeah. So yeah. maybe he worked on the docks. Security guard? Security guard, yeah. something where he's definitely asserting his will on right. other people. What what TV network would carry World of the Psychic? By the way, I said it's, it's got to be it's like be public PBS, access, right? It's got to be public access. Something. I mean, you said the guy Bassmasters is the number one show. Yeah, number one, number two under under Bassmasters. It looked it looked like a, a somewhat credible production, though. I'm not. I'm so the girl, the lady that know. was on. <laughs> Those effects are a little rinky dink. What did they What did they say? The uh, no no respectable psychic will go on the show because yeah. they think he's a fraud. And he is a fraud. But, he said, he said, I am a fraud. But I don't know. He just, to me, it was believable. I love the yeah. story of like that girl. Now, get, before we move on, getting back to the, the Ghostbuster parties, I have two questions for you. Number one, how much, how much are they charging, do you think? Oh, wow. To throw a Ghostbusters kids party. How much are they charging or now would, or how much are they charging in 1989? Pay? How much would you pay? Ooh. Say you, you have a kid. He's eight years old. It's right now. What does a clown cost? I don't even know. The real stuff. Ghostbusters are in your apartment now. They got sued, but you might still, you might still respect <laughs> you them. You get him on the cheap because yeah. they got sued. Yeah. Wow. How much am I willing to pay? So like a hundred <sighs> bucks? Is that what? I don't know. In 1989? I mean that's a lot of money in 1989. 1989, right? I say I you can't go over 50. Maybe you go over like 50, 50, it's like yeah, you over 50, it's like you've got a bit of a a bit of a thing for these fellows. It's like under the table too, so, right? They're not taxing the stuff. Oh no, was Bozo making more? Bozo, Bozo, Bozo was definitely clown. making yeah. more. You know, and it's funny because it seemed as if uh, the Ghostbusters were trying to even piggyback off the whole clown thing because I think yeah. they had balloons for the kids. Yeah, free balloons did. for the kids, right? Yeah. So mug. it's um. It's just interesting to me how far they fell. I, and it, it's total bullshit that the mayor would stiff him on the tab. <laughs> it wasn't I, their fault. He was the one who employed him. Yeah. And I know that you have another point about this. I don't want to get too far off topic, but I want to say something. The franchising and, and the, the merchandising in this, I, not franchising, the merchandising in this in this movie. I mean, to the point where the logo on the car had the movie logo the of the two. Yeah. Like, if you're running a business... And you close and you open up again. Are you gonna put like a two? Maybe maybe there's a lot of like Asian restaurants that are like Asian bistros two, but it's not uh, like I don't know. It's not a sequel. It's called rebranding. Rebranding. See, they they had a, they had a public black eye, and then they came back. It maybe be a co- lot of a lot of people might not have heard that they had their 
their uh, restraining order reversed. So if this movie was made today, it would be Ghostbusters 2.0? Yes. Because that's more exactly. modern. It's got more flair. Exactly. They're bigger and better. Now, uh, Ty, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can yeah. I put you on the spot? Okay. Speaking about the kids' parties. Yep. Would you want to write us a brief Yelp review? Oh. Of the Winston and Ray at Ghostbusters party. Wow. So I'm writing a Yelp review. Yeah, real quick. Well, the first thing I'm writing about is how creepy it is that two men come in wearing khaki suits <laughs> and they're dancing to their own theme song. Yeah. All right. In some circles, if you hire those guys, they're taking the suits off. So I could see a lot of mothers showing up and being a bit perplexed at two middle-aged men coming in and dancing in a suit that's baggy and looks like it's meant to be taken off. Right. All right. <laughs> so the Yelp review starts, I think, with a bit of confusion. <laughs> All right, I'm confused. If I've never seen yeah. this act before, okay. The other thing I wonder then is, now we didn't get to see a whole lot of this in the actual movie itself, but um, you know they kind of cut the act short. What did they do after the song and dance? Well, you would, I would hope, uh, as a customer, I, I would think that they would do some kind of fake ghost-catching magic trick or something. Right, you would, you would think that. Try, they try, try to like, catch a ghost, quote-unquote. They should have brought some props, though. Yeah, they only exactly. had the proton packs, yeah. and they didn't use them. They brought them. the real ones, too. Yeah, like, they could have killed somebody. Could have been, hey, that would have been awesome. Hey, kid, try out this proton pack. Here, shoot so, it. So yeah. I got to believe that outside the dance, and maybe outside free balloons for the kids, there's really not much there. Like, maybe they could show them the proton packs, but the kids don't care because kids are kids. Kids want to hit buttons. They want to shoot stuff. Yeah. Right? They don't care about this. They'd rather play some... At the time, they'd probably rather play Duck Hunt on the yeah, Nintendo. Right. Well, didn't exactly. they hate it? They hated, they hated it, right? it immediately. They like, They booed walked them. in the door and they were like, my dad says you guys suck. I think the parents were probably a little bit more in tune with the Ghostbusters than the actual kids. So yeah. I just don't know what their move was after the dance. And I'm worried they were a one-trick pony bad way. Yeah. Probably. So I think my Yelp reviews, review is probably two stars. At this point, we don't have enough information to go on, but the ambiguous dance followed by uh, maybe pictures, yeah. maybe Polaroids at the time. Yeah. You know, you could touch my proton pack and get a, you know, get, get a... Don't uh, look directly at the trap. Yeah, get that, a... That whole thing. Get a balloon that is green like Slimer. To me, that's that's like two stars. Yeah. I got, I got another one for you, Ty. I'm going to put you on the spot again. Yeah, please. I'm going to roll. So... Talking about how much these parties cost. Yeah. When they start getting back into the swing of things, all right, they're going back, they're busting ghosts, they're going to that place with the hanging china closet and all that. What's a realistic rate for them to come and bust your ghost? So uh, what's an exterminator? I mean, they're essentially exterminators, That's but what they're they are. a high-priced exterminator. How much money are these guys charging so, to go and bust your ghosts? I'll start this by saying at Ghostbusters 1, the first bust they did, Vakeman off the top of his head yeah. charged the hotel $5,000. But I think it was a bullshit price. Yeah, because he, he was, was just random. Yeah, he was just it was just random. Well, and you said they had no idea. So yeah. here, here, here's one of the things that also did not work for me in the movie. Which ghost should we be afraid of? Which ghost should we be afraid of? Because there are some, like the train that ran over Winston, which made no dent. It shocked him. Yeah. But it ran directly through him like an apparition. He was scared. There were others, maybe a little bit like Vigo, but I'm thinking in particular of the woman's mink coat that gets off and jumps yeah. and runs down the sidewalk. Clearly, there were ghosts like that. Clearly, there were ones like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man that could actually hurt people. Right. So I think they need some classification, some internal structure within their billing system to figure out if this ghost can hurt me, then X. 
If not, then why? Well, I guess there's maybe there's a class and price point. There's the solid ghosts that, like Stay Puff or the yeah. Big Coat, that you can touch. Then there's the free floating vaporitions that can fly through you but can't really hurt you, can they? And maybe that's why Janine in Ghostbusters 1 was asking people if it was just an apparition or if it had arms and legs. Yeah. So we don't we don't know the ins and outs of that. $5,000 to me feels like a number he threw out of out of nowhere. Yeah. However, however, when we're talking ghost, I think the sky's the limit on what you can charge. What if you charge 10 grand? Yeah. Well, what's hey, a ghost? Who else is going to do this for you? Yeah, what if I say yeah. your mink coat can eat you? Yeah. If you don't do something about this, if you don't kill the apparitions that are in your house. But they've got TV commercials, so who's their target audience? I mean, the TV commercial, are they looking for like the big executive that has the, the, the checkbook to write this check? I mean, I feel like they can't be a, a, a legitimate business if they're charging everybody five grand. But, but hey, I mean, they'll advertise private jets on television. That's true. You know, yeah. they'll advertise the local pool company will advertise that they can put an in-ground, beautiful in-ground pool with a diving board in your backyard, but they never say the price. Yeah, they run those commercials, you know, in between spots of um, the the psychic world that uh, that Vakeman's playing there on PBS. And it's also targeted towards, obviously, that commercial was targeted towards Holmes because it had Janine and, and uh, Tully waking up on the bed there. I think if they stuck to their guns and $5,000 was the base rate when they removed Slimer from the Sedgwick Hotel, yeah. <laughs> I think accounting for inflation five years later... Base rate seventy five hundred. Things that can hurt you, you're getting up into the ten twelve range. Okay, so and that could be for anybody. And I'm sure there could be financing, and I'm sure there's like a clause in the contract to say you can have a payment plan, but if you don't pay after X amount of days, we're putting this ghost right back in your house. Or the juice starts running. Yeah. Or there's interest. Yeah. yeah. Well, what about the 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 guy that was running in Central Park? Who's paying them? Is that the city? Is that the city of New York? Well, there was a fractured relationship with the city. Yeah. yeah. What's up with that? And they were catching him. Was right that up. just on the goodwill? To That's say, on hey, public property. The the we just called him. It's like a dog catcher. That's <laughs> on public property. Maybe it was one of those promotional deals that they did right. try to get their yeah. name back out Marketing. there. Yeah. We're no fluke. People use Central Park all the time. We're going to do this for the good people of New yeah. York. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think you're all the right track there. The, the one that we were talking a little bit about offline here, weaker, weaker final boss, mm. bad way, Gozer or Vigo? Well, we touched on this briefly, but I, I'm definitely going to say Vigo was the weaker boss. As, as we said before, the Stay Puft Marshmallow was a much more tangible villain, and which essentially is Gozer, if, if, I'm not, if, I'm not, if I'm mistaken. So definitely go and Stay Puft on that one. Yeah, I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind that Vigo, Vigo required someone else's help in order to become a more powerful villain. The whole point for him was to try and become a real person someone who could live in this world that's why he required the baby gozer was just out to kill the world well i do have to remind you guys that vigo was a poison stab shot hung stretched <laughs> disavowed drawn and quartered but that was in his former life right so we can't right. count he's that. he's past it he saw yeah. a shrink he's good he's- i just i have no words <laughs> <laughs> i just i was gonna i have no words i'm staring at the painting right now right behind you yeah you have the vigo painting you also in the bathroom here you have a picture, and you know, speaking of ambiguity, <laughs> we've got a picture of three of the Ghostbusters that stare back at you if you are a, a man and going number one. That was the uh, Christmas present that Badway got me. And you notice they're all pointing, and Stance is kind of smirking. The so. funny thing is, he said to me, like, so the funniest part about this picture is it looks like, if you don't know who those guys are, it looks like it could be your uncles. Your three uncles. Or somebody yeah. that you know, and they're pointing at you. I, I 
strategically placed that there. They're ready to believe you. To make everyone uncomfortable that goes and uses the facilities here. Absolutely. Another thing I wanted to ask you, both of you, is it possible in any way, shape, or form... Is it possible? ...that Oscar is secretly Peter Beckman's kid? Yes. Oh, wow. The answer is yes. Wow. I'm going to tell you why. All right? So... Let's go back and extrapolate the time that Dana hadn't seen Peter. Okay. So, I what is it? It's been five years since they were practicing Ghostbusters. Five years since the Stay Puff incident. And you said, let's say, okay, she needs she's pregnant for nine months. This kid is probably what, like roughly a year, eight months to a year or yeah. something. He's roughly. still call, a baby. Call him a year. He's a baby. Yeah. So the orchestra's stiff. He's off yeah. performing in Europe somewhere, right? Right. The supposed father. Yes. I think it's certainly possible yeah. that she maybe met up with Peter two years ago. It would have been about two years ago. And maybe that's why they have this fractured relationship. And she's like, I don't want Peter. I don't want to see him. Because she doesn't want him to know about the baby. Yeah. And he even says, I could have been your father. <laughs> Which is a really awkward, <laughs> that's an awkward thing line. to say to a baby. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's a weird thing to say there. I mean, what do you think? I think you guys might have something here. And, and here's why. One other thing that didn't work for me was Dana Barrett's willingness to take back Pete Vankman. Oh, absolutely. Because in the first movie and now in the second, she presents as this sophisticated what she she's restoring paintings. Yeah. Right at the at the start of Ghostbusters 2, she's playing in the orchestra. Is that an aqua- So, how do you become a painting restoration person? Did she go back to school for fine arts? You got to go to like the community college for 3 courses to become a paint restoration. So, she's an artist, but she's also an artist? Yeah. I got I got to believe that she's this sophisticated woman who has horrible insecurities. That's the only reason that otherwise would explain why she was so willing to take back Pete Vankman. At first, in the beginning part of the movie, she's like, don't bring Vankman in on this. Please, please Egon, don't, don't mention this to Pete. <laughs> because Oscar's the kid, his father. Right. <laughs> but does he ever mention me? Right? She wants to know then. Yeah. So she's dropping hints that maybe she still has feelings for him. However... It's it's apparent from the very get-go that she finds him too immature. She I, she doesn't want anything to do with him. He's too immature. I agree with that. But now, now she's a damsel in distress. Absolutely. Now the kid's in distress. Now she's willing to not only stay in his apartment, not only, you know, hoot herself up for some fancy dinner, but um, you know, we got a one we talked about this before. Maybe some extracurriculars going on there. We don't know. She was very willing to take him back, and it didn't take a whole lot of time to get there. So perhaps she's thinking. Maybe we can get things to a point where I'm confident this man's mature enough to be notified that he is the father of uh, of baby Oscar. She ran to his apartment in what? A, a robe. Ta- in a robe. She peeked out of the doorway with a towel. She was one step above being the creepy stripper yeah. in Central Park with the trench coat. So on the flip side here, Vankman usually doesn't fall for this type of woman. I That's mean, true. He seems more of like the floozy, dumb blonde type of type of guy but she's sophisticated but here's my point now so she's kind of slumming a little bit i feel because she's probably from a rich family she's she probably has degrees in both art and music which is ridiculous she's so i I feel she's really well she's an accomplished person was she a cello player something like that cellist i believe cellist Cellist. i think that's how they yeah so i feel identify family's got money does he see the money is is it a money grab for him because or is she? Uh, she's just a token hot girl, '80s hot that we don't know about. We if have if I could quote the all wise and all knowing Taylor Swift, <laughs> some people like the players and other people like the game. Uh-huh. I believe the player aspect of that would be one Dana Barrett, 
Pete Vankman just likes the game. Yeah. Pete Vankman's in it for anyone who's got interest. Okay. But that's why it's got no staying power. This relationship is doomed to fail. Even if he finds out that that kid is his kid, he's not sticking around. It's not going to happen. There's no way it happens. I don't know. He could mature. No. He's he, starting to mature by the end of the movie. Pr- he was pretty good with that kid, uh, though. I don't know. He was pretty good with the kid. Give credit where it's due, Trent. He's on his level, though. That's the thing. You know, I don't. I don't know when you became this crusader for single mothers, but (laughs) he seemed like he was pretty good with the kid. He no, I'm not saying that he was a bad, bad father. Quote, because I believe that he is the father of this child. Yeah, I just don't believe that he's got it in him to not go chase the other floozy you know, blonde down the street that's yeah. like, oh, just a girl that shows interest in him. Maybe a bit of interest. a wandering eye. Because he's a yeah. womanizer. Let's be let's be real about that. He's a womanizer. That's true. He is. And I'm not saying he couldn't have a, a meaningful relationship with this fine person who's an artist and a cellist. Yeah. But catch. You know, he he's he's kind of like, he's like a frat guy. That's what he is. That's he's exactly what he guy. is. Yeah. I mean he acts like a frat guy. But before we move on from this, can I share something? Um about my sexual past with you guys, if I may be so blunt. <laughs> Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, in the movie theater, I'm sitting there as a wide-eyed five-year-old. The scene in the bathtub where Dana Barrett is in her bra, mm. ba- bathing yeah. her child. That was a seminal moment for many of us. First bra I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Very first bare woman I've ever seen in my life. And it yeah. affected me to this day. I remember it. it was like I remember, I remember myself in the theater watching that going, what's going on there? Yeah, and it, that's too many questions. It, here. it furthers the point that Sigourney Weaver in the '80s was a major sex symbol. Yeah, yeah. you know, because that was totally unnecessary. They didn't need that in yeah. a kids' movie too. I uh-huh. mean, maybe that's the balance. They're like, well, we got too much kitty stuff in here. We got to up the ante well, a little bit. She is in the bra. And she's going. Do you want to splash, mommy? And yeah. it's like, whoa, it's mommy's like, gonna take a bath with you. Block the kid out, and it's. But I didn't know what to do with myself. I was six years old. There were no yeah. feelings. Yeah, there's nowhere to put <laughs> those feelings when you're six. It was more like a, huh, what is that? Interesting. Yeah, yeah why is this yeah. happening? Why Why is this happening? Basically, first and last woman I saw in a brawl. That's it. One thing that we were talking a little bit about, too, was Bobby Brown. So Bobby Brown did some prominent songs on the soundtrack. Yes. I want to know about the cameo that he's in where he's asking about the, the Ghostbusters pack for the kid, for his kid brother. Did he request to be in this movie? Was he was he saying, "Hey, I'm not going to be in this movie. I'm not going to do the soundtrack unless you let me in this movie." Or was it a Columbia Pictures and Columbia Records was like, "Yo, we got to get him in this movie." It, it was a collabo. His agent pushed forward. I'm sure. Now, also the line, "Where can I get one of those proton packs? I want one for my kid." And Ray goes, "Yeah, that's not a toy, but it was a toy. But it is a toy." Total total marketing ploy on that one. It's a sneaky marketing trick right there. There was a bunch of those, too. The fact that they invented new packs, the slime blowers. Oh, yeah. Every kid won one of those. I never had a slime blower. I did. I wanted it, and I, I got it for Christmas. It was awesome. It was really cool. But looking back on it, that's pretty lame. It's not as cool as the Proton yeah, Pack. I, I wasn't a huge fan. I wanted I wanted to bust some heads with the Proton Packs, and they only used them for that one small period against yes. the Scalari brothers. Ty, did you have the did you have the jumps oh. did you have the jumpsuit? I didn't have the jumpsuit, but I had. Um, well, did I should say pack? I did. I went as um, a Ghostbuster one year for Halloween. For Halloween, yeah, which I you know that's like a standard issue thing. In if your you're, kid years or adult? Oh, adult years. Yeah, <laughs> this was like this was like three months ago. Yeah, this was last October. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> if you are aficionados about Ghostbusters the way we are. Then clearly, um, that is something everyone goes through. That's a phase. But I didn't have the jumpsuit until that. I did, however, have the proton packs and the trap 
Yeah. Oh, the trap was key. The trap was key. Oh, you know, that was kind my of favorite toy. Yeah. Sort sort of the thing where you you stomp down with your foot and the air pressure opens yeah. the trap. Oh, that was that was a legit toy. Right you know, there. we were all part of that movement. Yeah. So you know, definitely uh, great merchandising opportunities here. Uh, you know, in the uh, again early to late eighties. Uh, we we talked at a the jig all the way episode, I believe, about um, Turbo Man. About getting the firehouse. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you have the firehouse? I did not have the firehouse. Okay, because I was going to ask if if you had the firehouse, if your mother would take away the slime that came with it. Because our yeah. moms did. Our moms totally did. Would no, that I, be a Mama Hildebrandt move? You Don't know, mess up the carpet. Yeah, I mean, maybe the slime would have been a that would have been a that would have been tough sledding. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, but um, you know, certainly I was Ghostbuster crazed enough to at least try and give it a pull. Just yeah. never got there. I wonder where my mom kept the slime. She might have it to this day. It might be in her attic somewhere. She took it away from me. You think it's crusted up? You think it could work? If you bust out the firehouse and get it, you think it'll work? I would like to think it's still in ooze form. It's crusted. If it's got, this, if it's got the fresh seal on it. Speaking like, of slime, I know we're running out of time, but I'm troubled by a scene in this movie. Please. What is it with Egon in the slime? There's an inference being drawn there. Ooh, he loves it. He loves it, but to what degree? Like, I don't want to get all weirdly sexual with he this. He loved it. Right, but like, how much did he love it? I think he loved it to be private with it. Who, uh, who posed the question? Was it, was it Peter? It was Peter. You're not sleeping with it, are you? And there was no answer. He gave a look. He kind of gave a look, and then he turned away, and they changed, changed the, subject. the subject. But like, whoa, what was that? Like, what was going on there, guys? Ask might- me the question straight up. Did he do it? Did he... I see how I see it is. He lit some candles, popped open Tobin's spirit guide. <laughs> you know, flipped to the sexiest page. Got got the sexiest page some, from the succubus page. Yeah, from from Tobin's spirit guide. Yeah. Like he would have wished that what happened to Ray in Ghostbusters one happened to him. Yeah. So he was trying to recreate that in his head. He's got Tobin's spirit guide open to the sexiest page. Light some candles like in Forty Year Old Virgin. Yeah. Gets the silk pajamas on. I don't have to go too much further. So, you guys know. So did Egon penetrate the slime? <laughs> I say to you, is the atomic weight of cobalt 58.9? Yeah. <laughs> that's the answer. Obviously, yes. That's that's the answer. <laughs> One of the things that we like to do on this show is we like to recast this movie, whatever movie we're doing. And I know that we don't have that much time left, but with this one... It's very hard to recast a sequel, right? Because it's or even the original, because this movie's so iconic. Yeah. The answer, but the answer is no. You, you can't. can't recast. But but let's talk about the first one for a minute. Yeah, there was obviously there's the rumor, and it was no rumor. It was pretty much fact that the Winston character was written for or was originally supposed to be Eddie Murphy. And it was a completely different script, with Eddie Murphy being a prominent right. figure in this movie. Now I pose to you guys, Ty Drew, is this movie with Eddie Murphy better or worse? Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy in Winston's as spot Winston. as a prominent role. Because mm. they, re- they rewrote basically the entire yeah. character, I mean, Winston. Think about how, A, how good this movie is yeah. without him. It's just fine. And the, the, jokes, original. the jokes are subtle. It's very low-key humor. But then on the flip side, take Eddie, take Eddie Murphy. He's very brash, but he has great chemistry through SNL with Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. And Eddie Murphy was on fire in the 80s also. It would have been a different movie. Yeah. Would it have been a better movie? And B, well, does the sequel exist if, it, if he had been in there? Well, what I like about Ghostbusters 1 is that it's a comedy without being too much of a comedy. Right. So there's actually, a, there's actually a plot to it. Very low key. Which isn't something you can say about a lot of the um, you know, SNL kind of comedies out there. Even like the Seth Rogen stuff. Like There was big news recently about the interview. 
right? Like right. that was a, it was a bad movie, right. and it was just a stupid comedy. This was a comedy in Ghostbusters one, but it wasn't so silly that you couldn't look at it critically and say there was no plot to that movie. Right. There was actually a storyline there, and I fear that if you put Eddie Murphy in the movie, that all of a sudden you veer a little closer to the territory where it's too silly. Like it becomes an Adam Sandler movie before you know it, Good and maybe point. that's maybe that's not what you want. And especially, I said this to you before, Badway, but especially '80s Eddie Murphy was loud in yeah. your face. Like, and that works for Eddie Murphy in other things. Everything else he's done, Nutty Professor, all all the things that he did, even the movies before that and all that stuff, uh-huh. he's very loud and in your face. And that's what works about him, but not in this movie. It's a different movie. It's a different movie because if you put Eddie Murphy in it, in more of a leading, more of a comedic role, right? I think what happens is somebody gets forced out. I think that somebody is probably Egon, and Egon was so understated and so funny because he was nerdy and understated right. that he gets lost in the shuffle. Dan Aykroyd's always funny. Bill Murray was always going to be funny. You put Eddie Murphy in this, I think you totally lose the appeal of Harold Ramis, and that would have changed the movie in a way that I don't think I approve of. And, and I always ask you this question, by the way, whenever we talk about a movie, but like in 1984, I know they knew what they were doing in this movie because it was a sequel, but when they made the first one, did they have any idea of how huge this was going to be? Like, do they realize they're, they're writing history as they're making this? Well, the fact that, I mean, I believe this cost a bajillion dollars. Uh, the second it, one, In 1984, did, right? money. The oh, first the first one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like one of the highest budget so, movies ever. I feel like there was pressure there for it to be a success. I, there's no way they, they knew it was going to become this kind of phenomenon. I feel like there's no way. But I feel like, and you know, you can look back and they always say hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, look back and just think about the alternate future where Eddie Murphy was in this movie. Like you said, would there be a sequel? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they would have, but I, I agree with Ty. Like, Egon would have had a much lesser role. And the reason why these movies are so good is that they all have some give and take, and every character has a perfect amount of themselves and in their role. Right. And I think that that's what make it, makes it work so well. You've got Egon's the straight, funny guy. He's like very dry. You've got Ray, who's just totally into science and oblivious to social skills. Yeah, like, the heart but not, and soul. Yeah, yeah, but he's like he cares a lot. He just yeah. cares a lot. He loves what he does. He's a guy who loves his job. Egon's a little too much into the science. Yeah, you've got Winston, who's just a guy trying to get a job. Worker off the street. But I yeah. liked him like that. And I remember reading an article when um, what's his name? Uh, Ernie, Hudson. Ernie Hudson. He did an interview where he said that he took the job based on Eddie Murphy's role. And when he got the script the day he got there, it was rewritten. Yeah. And he was horribly upset about <laughs> the fact that this character that he thought he was going to play is completely different than what he signed up for. Wasn't even on the poster. He wasn't. And that's yeah. that's kind of BS, man. That's kind of BS. This one he was, yeah. though, right? Right. The second one he was. And uh, my quick take is, with Murphy, the movie wouldn't have been as good, but it would have been more successful and... If there was a second one, I feel like there wouldn't have been a second one. But if there was, Murphy wouldn't have been in it. And it would have been kind of odd. And the second one wouldn't have been as successful as it was. Would have been like a Willie Mays Hayes situation yeah. between Major yeah. League One, Major League Two they with Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Wesley I feel like maybe they wouldn't have called him Winston Zedmore. Maybe they might have called the guy a different name. A, a, like it didn't a, work out with a new Winston. Ghostbuster, yeah. He yeah. Would have been a new, there would have been a new Ghostbuster, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think it would have been a better movie, and I'm glad that he didn't because yeah. I think Eddie Murphy's good on his own. Right. I'm, I'm a fan of Eddie. It Murphy. It worked out for the best. Yeah, and I think his career might have gone in a different path too. Yeah. I like Eddie Murphy, but I just don't think he would have he would have worked in this. 
Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's like added LeBron James to the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Right. On paper, it sounds like a good idea. It's not enough balls to go much, around. Too much. Yeah. Too many stars. Not enough need, cameras. Need role players. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit before on previous episodes about changing the ending and creating a sequel. I mean, again, just like Jingle All the Way, we don't need to do that because it seems yeah. they're going to reboot the franchise. And I have strong opinions about this. And I know Harold Ramis has been trying to do this forever. They made the video game. The video game was like the script they were going to use. They called that the the unofficial third Ghostbuster. Right. But I just, I have strong opinions of this. And I, I'm not trying to be the guy that's totally against making a new movie. Yeah, I just are. feel like if they were going to do it, in a way that I would enjoy it, it would be not to just reboot the whole thing with new actors. I like call it something else. I don't know. They they tried this. You know, it was like what the watch. Well, yeah, you run you run dangerous territory of they're using the name. No, but when you think about a, a fanboy, which we clearly are, you run the ter- the the da- you run into the yeah. dangerous territory of bashing anything that isn't the old. Right. Like when they reboot a Batman or a Spider Man, people go nuts because. X is playing Batman. He's not a good Batman. That guy's not a good Joker. And it's I think it's best to just leave it alone. Now they might make this movie, it might make a bajillion dollars, it might have Jonah Hill in it or Seth Rogen, and people love it. But it won't be the same to the original people. And, and I mean there were rumors that it might be an all female cast. All female cast. Yeah, you know, and, with Melissa McCarthy yeah. and and that's an interesting spin on it. I'm not against having an yeah, all female cast. I just hope there's a good story, and I hope as so many reboots are unable to do. I hope this one's able to do justice for the original two because they're really funny movies. We wouldn't be talking about them if they yeah. weren't funny movies. Um, I, I want to know what that storyline is. What What is that storyline? Um, can they can they somehow capture the flavor of the initial two? Yeah, I would hope that Aykroyd is somewhat in the, the writing process. Maybe he's still running the bookstore. Yeah. Give him a cameo, throw him a bone. You What's know, maybe maybe um, Egon's had a daughter yeah. at some point. Maybe it finally worked out with Janine, and maybe Melissa McCarthy is their offspring. Yeah, I don't know. Something. Just All that. of these guys at this point are old enough to be fathers, so maybe that's the the route they can take. Bill Murray will cameo at anything. Throw him a cameo. He'll take it. What do you think is the um, most far fetched actor? Like the highest rung actor they could get for a Ghostbusters sequel. Highest rung. Like we know they could get Jonah Hill. Yeah. All right. Jonah Hill did Moneyball, but he's not above this. We know yeah. they could get someone like a Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. We know they could get someone like a well James Franco, Franco, guys like that. But could they get like a McConaughey at this point? Uh, I don't know, man. Could they get a Clooney? Like what? How high could they I, go with I this? I think Clooney's pretty on target there. You think they could get Clooney for this? I think he they could get Clooney. No, he only does Oscar movies now. He did three Oceans movies. Yeah, but that that was his franchise. Yeah. I, I don't know. He I, did Batman and Robin, he people. Need, he I, needs to read the script first. He okay? was Batman and the worst Batman. Listen, if Joel Schumacher directs this, then he'll do it. You could get a guy like an Andy Samberg. <laughs> you know Cage will do it. Yeah, I mean, be, Nick, Cage, yeah. will, Nick Cage will take Nick any Cage movie. So he's, I mean, that's no. just assumed. It's, it's like... It's like a 10 in blackjack, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I often think about this when I'm watching Ghostbusters, if they're going to redo this, what is the highest caliber actor? Well, they're going young cast. They got to go young cast. They're not going to bring Clooney or Cruz or anybody I like that. I could see like Cage. Channing Tatum being yeah. part Channing of this. Tatum would actually be, be, what's the name of that guy from the fault in our stars? The young guy. Like they could bring him uh, in on this. He, I have no idea. He, like the even... cancer patient who yeah. dies. Spoiler. I mean, they could, <laughs> they could maybe like bring him in on this show, a lighter side. He'd probably be game for a reboot. I mean, I could see him. I could see Channing Tatum. I could see, I don't know, even the guy, like any of the guys from the Marvel movies, like Hemsworth, 
Yeah. But that that's not necessarily a comedy. Hemsworth's he, trying to do indie stuff yeah. though. He's trying to be a real He's branching actor. out. He doesn't feel like working out anymore. They could they could maybe they could pull Robert Downey Jr. Downey yeah, Jr. I'll tell you what, I would love that movie if he or, was in it. I think he would be awesome. He's the perfect he's he's got that dry wit to him. Because he's Vankman. He's yeah. the closest to Bill Murray in this day and age that yeah. you're gonna get. Even though Bill Murray is still Bill Murray Bill Murray and you'll never get somebody to Wait, be Bill Murray. All this being said, I kinda of hope they just leave it alone at this point. With how Ray is gone, I feel like you could just leave it alone and it'd be fine. Yeah. But have, but having said all that, I'd go see it. If they made it yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Let's so, be serious. We're all yeah, gonna watch yeah. it. We're all gonna watch it. By the way, we all went to see it in the theaters when they re-released Ghostbusters yeah, yeah. Right. after like 25 years or whatever Which it was. Made me the happiest Gotta person see it on the big screen. You know, I yeah. never because I never did. Yeah. I know you guys watched the second one, but I never saw any of them in, yeah. in the theaters. So that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Any more thoughts about this movie? Well, you know, I mean, I I had questions, and we don't got to dwell on them. I think we've covered a lot of them already. I questioned Dana Barrett's dating life and and her motives for taking back Pete Vankman, but maybe the child aspect uh, comes into play. I questioned the role that the Ghostbusters had at all in defeating Vigo because of the goodwill of the men outside, men and women outside. That's the one thing that sticks with me, and we talked about what things didn't work. I don't know. I, I didn't like the reliance on the positive emotions versus the negative emotions of New York city. They bash New York a lot in this yeah. movie too. It's called them crabs and negative. And yeah. even the mayor like broadly so struck them with right. a paintbrush of this negative stereotype. Yeah. It's every New Yorker's God given right to be nasty and mean. And I don't believe that. What I've been to New York. New York's a nice town. The hell? I mean, people there's in nice New York people. can be nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I had problems with the ghosts, you know, like, ah, which one should we, should we find scary and which one shouldn't we? And, mm. um, you know, just the, the Janos character at all. I, I don't even know if that was needed, but, Beyond that, it was a Ghostbusters movie, so obviously I'm in. I love Janos, so I feel like this yeah, movie with fails without with him. You. Yeah. So I don't know. We pretty much. I mean, we could talk for another four hours, but we should probably yeah. wrap it up. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you to everybody for listening. If you enjoyed the show, stay tuned for more. We're going to be doing this for quite some time. Uh, I want to thank everybody who left a five star review out on iTunes for us. Um, if you haven't done so, please go ahead and do that. If you're enjoying the show, find us at thelastrowpodcast.com. Send us an email at thelastrowpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at the Last Row Pod. Look for us on Facebook, Google Plus, and again, leave us a voicemail four one five seven seven nine five two seven eight. 415779 last. So, and if you have anything else, just get in touch with us. Uh, we'd look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. And uh, once again, thank you, Ty, for joining us. Hey, thanks your, for having yeah. your Ghostbuster expertise. We'll, we'll have to do this again sometime when there's uh, another movie. There's like four movies I know this well. Yeah. And this just happened to be one of them. So, if you ever want me again, um, it, it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm pumped to be on with well, you. We are, we love you guys welcome. do a great job. Thank you are you. welcome to come on this show anytime yeah. you want. Just call us. Awesome. <laughs> that is Ty Hildebrand at the Solid Verbal Podcast. Solid Verbal, Solid Verbal Podcast. We talk yeah. about college football. Follow Not... him on Twitter at, at Ty Hildebrand. Yeah, if you can spell it, uh, a follow would be great. But otherwise, <laughs> uh, I'm just uh, very honored to be here with you guys. Thank you very All much. Right. We'll see you guys next time. See ya. See ya.